everyone, and welcome back to Next Best Theater. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dan Bayer. Hello, everybody. Cody Derricks. Hi. And a very special guest, all the way from Next Best Picture Podcast, you know him, you love him, Mr. Ryan C. Showers. But do you really love me? I don't know about that. It depends what we're talking about. Before the show starts, <laughs> we could say we love you and re- reassess a little later. <laughs> For now, you're on good terms with us. Gotcha. <laughs> so, everybody's doing well? How's everything going? Everything's good, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> any, any news? Any Broadway news? Anything since we last met? I don't think so. Any shows? I mean, uh, there has to be some sort of Broadway news, even if you haven't seen something. Has there been anything that's... Oh, anything? oh, oh. I, I, I finally saw um, School of Rock, which is closing in January, and absolutely adored it. <laughs> I think it's the best thing Andrew Lloyd Webber has done in I don't I don't know in like year in decades. Is it better than cats? Yes, it's better than cats, and than I cats. like cats. So, <laughs> um, School of Rock. What was the last great show he had? Probably Cats. Evita. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything. I know he had the one in like 2005 that I'm blanking on the name. Nicole loves and uh, Woman I, in White. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, there was that, but was there anything else of substance since Sunset then? Boulevard's fine. Yeah, Sunset Boulevard was 93, 94. 95. That's right, 95. It was in London before that. So, all right, so you saw School of Rock. Uh, Cody, what's going on in Chicago? Any good theater happening there? I've done nothing. I'm so poor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, does anything look good? Is there anything like you want to see but haven't been able to? <laughs> Um, we had, uh, the Out of Trial and Trial of Tootsie, which I didn't get to see, but I heard shockingly good things about. Yeah, I I'm was reading surprised. a piece about that, and yeah. uh, I guess it makes sense that they took it out of a soap opera setting, and now it's about theater actors. Yeah, and I've heard they've kind of, I, I haven't seen it again, and I wouldn't say the original is regressive, but it made it, you know, kind of 2018 mm-hmm. appropriate, apparently. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see that once it comes to Broadway. You know, Tootsie is one of my favorite movies, so... Seeing how they do it here, I hope it doesn't end up like one of these forgettable film-to-stage transitions, but, you know, we'll see. I, I believe in the team behind it. Yeah, I trust David Yazbek's, you know, show selection, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just off of a high here with the band's visit, so. And it, for someone to go from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels to the band's visit and now Tootsie, I mean, <laughs> that's a talented guy. It's a lot of range. Ryan, I know you are not. As Broadway savvy, because, uh, you know, you're more of our film person here, but, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about any Broadway history. You might have favorite shows, favorite albums, anything like that. Well, um, whenever I was in third grade, the first Broadway show I saw was Beauty and the Beast, and I was Same. super pumped. <laughs> Me too. Okay, I don't know if you, guys know if you guys know where I'm going with this, but I used to love the Disney Channel, okay? And Christy Carlson Romano, who played Ren on Even Stevens, was playing Belle. And that's kind of the reason why Kim possible. She was Kim possible too. And, um, I saw her play bell and it was just like for me in my third grade mind, it was just the best thing in the world. So, um, that set a high bar for me, um, as a little boy. Um, and I've seen, of course, Mama Mia, you know, my grandma took me to see the raw cats and blah, blah. And, um, of, of course, wicked. And actually next month I'm going to see mean girls. Um, so, I'm excited about that. 
I just saw Mean Girls for the second time, actually, and it's still as fun. Okay, well, I, you're talking to somebody who can quote the whole, the entire movie from start to finish, all 96 minutes of it. So, I <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Right, and you could have a Philadelphia icon Tina Fey to thank for that screenplay. Yes, so. Tina Fey is the best. Um, hey, I have a question mm-hmm. for you guys. It's a total hypothetical thing. Um, yesterday, Brent and I were watching um, Gone with the Wind. And I was thinking, you know, it, there's something very theatrical about it. And, like, no, no, no I know it could never happening. be made. It's not happening. But, like, I could totally see, like, a Scarlett O'Hara, like, you know, ballad. I don't know. Well, they've tried it a few times, and it always kind of just doesn't work. I know they did it in Japan once, and they did it in London, like, a decade ago, and it's always kind of a flop. How would it work in Japan? Like, it's about I the Civil don't War. Know. Like, I mean, they keep not doing it in America, though. It's such an American piece of work. It is just not going to fly in 2018. It's never going to happen. Yeah, no I'm way. waiting for mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind to be completely um, yeah. completely disowned. I mean, we're lucky that you could still get copies of the movie on DVD yeah. or Blu-ray. <laughs> and for the book, and uh, let me tell you, like, I mean, I, I like the movie for what it is because of the story, but the, the narration of the book is really frightening to read in 2018. I'm sure, but yeah, Vivian Lee still gives probably one of um, the top five greatest um, performances by an actress ever. And funny, I didn't mm-hmm. know that it wasn't um, that it, there was no costume award, or at least it wasn't nominated for it, and it didn't win it because the costumes are probably my favorite part of that movie. Mm-hmm. But, anyways. Okay, well, if it comes to Broadway, in some strange turn of fate, you could get Bob <laughs> Mackie to do the costumes for Gone with the Wind on Broadway. <laughs> oh, <right>. Yes. <laughs> There's a little addition there to make up for the lack of costumes at the Oscars. <laughs> I do have one little bit of, well, I mean, it's not exactly news, but I guess it's kind of gossip. <laughs> um, when I was, me and a friend and I were walking back from when we saw um, a School of Rock, and we walked by the King Kong Theater, and apparently... That I was entirely right that this show is going to be the new Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark yeah. because they were delayed by over an hour because there were problems with the ape. Ah, can't have King Kong without the star. No, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we were all expecting this. Uh, reviews, I think, drop in early November, so yeah. we will keep an eye out for them for some entertaining reading. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen anything lately. I have tickets to see uh, Bernhard Hamlet next month. I'm nice. seeing it next week. <laughs> so I hear very good things about that one. I'm sure John McTeer will factor into the Tony's conversation. Absolutely. Just a transition here. I know Ryan mentioned it a few minutes ago, but you were talking about Gone with the Wind, and I'm actually glad that you were, because <laughs> Gone with the Wind won Best Picture in 1939. And it was up against another film that many will argue should have won just because of the legacy that it's had since, and that is, of course, The Wizard of Oz. And The Wizard of Oz, of course, has this legacy of just tons of prequels and a Disney sequel and wow, to <laughs> make things happen after The Wizard of Oz, but nothing could ever reach the heights of it. But I would say in the culture, the one piece of, I guess you could say, art that really comes close to the legacy that it's had, not in terms of quality, but just in terms of the legacy and how it's lived on since, is Wicked which is what we're going to be talking about today to celebrate its 15th anniversary. I mean, do you think there's any other piece aside from Wicked that sort of takes off the same way that Oz did? I mean, any of the other Oz-related things, you mean? 
Yeah, like the James Franco movie obviously did nothing. No. <laughs> no I mean, other than the rest of L. Frank Baum's Oz books. Well, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. The movie outside of just literature. No, I don't think anything has. It, Wicked no. is the one like fail, fail safe, you know, completely proof um, success story that has come out of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I think that really speaks to how this show moves people. Oh, I mean, yeah. I know that it doesn't have the greatest reputation among critics, which we could talk a little bit more about later. But Wicked, 15 years later, is still running on Broadway and running really strong on Broadway. It's not like it's just like bringing in, you know, lesser names and not selling out. Like, this is a huge, huge, huge success over at the Gershwin Theater. Yeah, I just checked the grosses the other day and it's still in the 90% full. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. That's absolutely insane, as you say. So, I feel like celebrating its 15th anniversary, this is a good time for us to talk about Wicked. Not necessarily the story, but more about what it means in the culture, what it means to us, what it meant when it came to Broadway 15 years ago. And just sort of look back on these 15 years and say how this sort of changed Broadway as we know it. Because you see so many spectacle shows, just like King Kong. Without Wicked, there would be no King Kong. You okay, Dan? <laughs> like, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> well, we could discuss that more here. And uh, before we go into detail about the show, I just want to give a little background about what Wicked is. I know that many of us have such strong opinions regarding this particular musical and want to spend as much time as possible diving into them. So rather than stay tied to, as we said, the plot synopsis, as we've done before, this is going to be a very open and free-flowing episode. Well, I'm sure that many of our listeners are familiar with just about every aspect of the show from book to score, I still want to start with some general background information regarding what the show is. So, Wicked opened at the Gershwin Theater October 31st, 2003. Music and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, No Relation. And a book by Wayne Halsman. <laughs> Winnie Halsman, No Relation Either. And stage direction by the iconic Joe Mantello, No Relation Either. Uh, Schwartz, of course, is the man behind Godspell, Pippin, in addition to Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas and all of the wonderful songs from The Prince of Egypt and Enchanted. Winnie Holzman may not be as much of a household name, but she's the creator of ABC's My So-Called Life and is an Emmy-winning writer from the show 30-something. Her book for Wicked was based on Gregory Maguire's 1995 novel Wicked, The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West, which itself was a prequel of sorts to The Wizard of Oz. Now this story, given the title of that book, isn't about Dorothy Gale, although she does factor in a little bit, but rather a story about Glinda the Good and her relationship with the Wicked Witch of the West years prior. In the original Broadway cast, Glinda was played by Kristen Chenoweth, and the Wicked Witch, known as Alphaba here, was played by the wickedly talented Adele Dazim. (laughs) (laughs) The wickedly talented Adina Menzel. This past July, Wicked surpassed a chorus line to become the sixth sixth longest running show in Broadway history. In 15 years, the show has surpassed one billion dollars in box office revenue, joining the Phantom of the Opera and the Lion King in the Billion Dollar Club. Wow! It has also led to a number of international productions, including the UK, Ireland, Australia, and even an international touring company that has played everywhere from Asia to South America. It is certainly safe to say that Wicked has cemented its place among the most iconic Broadway musicals of all time. But does that make it a great show? No. To start answering mm. the question before we really take sides here. I want to go around and ask everyone here on the panel about the first time you discovered Wicked, whether it was a cast album or seeing it for the first time in a theater. I want to know where you first discovered the show and what your reaction was to seeing or hearing it for the first time. So 
so that we get off on a really exciting note here, I want to start with Dan. Mm. Because I know you have some very strong feelings about oh this show, and I want you to get all of them out. To <laughs> so the floor is yours, my friend. Should I start drinking now? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, so I my first introduction to Wicked was actually the book. Um, when I was in high school, around the year 2000, I found the book in my local bookstore and bought it and read it and loved it. And, you know, a few years later when I was a senior or junior or senior in high school, I heard they were making a musical of it. And I was like, oh, oh my God, that's going to be so interesting. Oh, so you know beforehand about the book. Yeah. It's not like you just picked it up. You knew beforehand about the book. You didn't just pick it up because you knew there was a musical coming. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the book on its own in in the bookstore, like when it was, you know, because um, it was a hit when it was released in 95, and then more and more people found it and loved it. Um, it was a big hit for like a long time there. Um, and I really, really loved the book. And they announced they were making a musical out of it. I was very excited. I'm like, this is going to be like so cool because this book is so amazing and it's so complex and interesting and they do these crazy things to these characters and like it's going to be like you know the fantasy version of like Miz or something like that so you were thinking more along the lines of like an into the woods no not even into the woods because into the woods is still very much a musical comedy i was thinking this is going to be like Les Miz. <laughs> okay so a lot darker very politically charged and you know emotional and going to some really interesting dark places and did you know who was writing it at the time or no i didn't know i didn't know show? any of that didn't know any details i just heard that they were making a musical out of it and then it came out it, on broadway when i was in college when i was a freshman in college um or wait when did it start? no i was a sophomore in college when it actually opened on Broadway. I think it started tryouts when I was a freshman in San Francisco or wherever it was. Um, and back at college, you know, some of some friends had seen it on Broadway already. I had not. And we heard the soundtrack, you know, one of my friends had the cast recording and we listened to it and, you know, the car driving around and I was not impressed. Hmm. Now, are you a fan of Stephen Schwartz? I Pippin is one of my favorite shows. Interesting. Ever. Um, I've been I've seen it a few times in different productions. I was in it. Um, I almost directed it at one point in college. Um, it's one of my favorite musicals ever. And I also really love the songs from Enchanted, too. <laughs> okay, so what was it about these songs that didn't click with you? <laughs> God. I think this score is a mess. Hmm. It is all over the place um, in terms of tone and the melodies. I, I don't hate it entirely. I just don't think it coheres very well. I think that What Is This Feeling and Popular are perfect musical comedy songs. Like, absolutely perfect. They're fantastic. They're catchy. They're funny. They are, you know, they're good for these characters. Um, I love them. But basically everything else, it... 
So you're not a belting guy? I I am. <laughs> I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. I will belt defying gravity at the top of my lungs at karaoke like any other good gay man. But it I just it I mean, that song Defying Gravity is basically for me like the show itself in miniature. It has some really great elements. It but it is all spectacle no one part really relates to the other part it they don't sit well together there's not enough strong connective material to make these different sections cohere it when you put that song into the larger context of the story you have this big moment where she flies but that moment just comes out of nowhere as this big thing that we're supposed you know supposedly been waiting to see and it just it doesn't the show doesn't build up to that in any way until like the scene before (laughs) come on no and anyway maybe the actual like element of flight yes but i think most of act one is kind of laying the grounds of alphabet trying to find her own way and finding her own independence and her own voice does it though really yes yes i think so like, <laughs> I, I, I i don't know i've i've seen since anyway uh, since I heard the soundtrack and heard all the cast recording all the way through, I was like, I, the only reason that I would see this would be to see Kristen China with Nadina Menzel. Um, they left the show before I could get a chance to see it. So I was like, okay, that's okay. I don't ever need to see it. And I have not seen it. I You haven't seen it. Or I haven't seen it on Broadway. Okay, maybe that's seen, your problem. I've seen bootleg videos of it. Oh, oh, I didn't realize this. So you've never seen it sitting down in a the theater? No, never seen it sitting down in a the theater. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. But okay, I've seen, but I've seen bootleg invalidated. Videos <laughs> Your opinion invalidate. I'm just I'm pressing no, that button right I've, now. I've watched the show to get a feel for the you know what the book is like, and it totally confirmed my thesis that they it's a like bastardized Watertown version of this amazing incredible book a bastardized version wow that is like i've never heard that before go on i mean it is there's no (laughs) other way to put it (laughs) i will say i'm gonna get into where i really got into wicked in a few minutes but i did attempt to read the book when i was in sixth grade which i was way too oh god yeah way too young for it i just assumed like i assumed it was like the wizard of oz or like something that kids could get they sell it with the musicals logo on the cover Right. So I just saw it, and I hadn't seen Wicked at the time, but I saw this book sitting there. I'm like, oh, well, I haven't seen the show, but this might be the next best thing, and I'm reading it. I was in sixth grade, and I remember there was like an illustration of like some sex scene or something going on. I'm like, what is this book? I shouldn't be reading this in sixth <laughs> yeah, grade. Yeah, I remember randomly opening it to a page, and it was talking about like the, the texture of her pubic hair, and I was like, this is not... <laughs> I'm, this is, I'm too young for this. So... Yeah, I guess if you're expecting something on the level of how mature that book was, this isn't that. It just sort of takes the blueprint and goes a different direction with it. So not I even the blueprint. That, it it does completely different things. I mean, so uh, um, would you kind of like the musical more just uh, objectively if it was closer to the book, like if it was a more faithful adaptation, or do you think it, there's no hope for it for you? Yeah, I. 
I think if it was a closer adaptation to what the book was with music that reflected that, then yes, I would probably like it better. Or I would like the show on its own better if it just, you know, sprang into being completely independent of this book. That's I might like it better. I still probably wouldn't love it. Okay. 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 Because I do think the show still has a lot of problems. Okay, well, that's a start. We are getting somewhere and learning where this <laughs> hatred of wicked comes from. Right, Dave, I forgot to tell you, this is an intervention. Cody, tell yes. us your history with this. Okay, um, I mean, it's pretty much the same as everybody else. I was in middle school um, when it came out, and my aunt actually saw it in previews in New York, and I remember her telling me it's going to be the next big thing. And uh, I saw it a few years later, and I liked it a lot. I'm, I'm not the, the biggest fan of it. Um, I think it's a very enjoyable show um, with a pretty, pretty admirable score. I, 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 I'm okay with it not winning a bunch of the Tony Awards that it lost, um, but we'll get into that later maybe. Um, but I really enjoy it. I think it's a, a, a great celebration of kind of the power of feminine friendship and... Um, if you want to get like really, you know, uh, 2018 about it, you know, how women can be, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, chased around for having any sort of independence. Um, and I think that kind of reflects in the fan base that the show's attracted. It was a huge jumping off point for a lot of girls I know my age who have gotten into musical theater since. And so you saw it on Broadway? Yeah, I saw it. I've seen it twice. Um, I saw it once uh, about two years after it opened, and then a few years later, I won the lottery and I saw it again from the front row. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I'm not. A, I wouldn't call myself like a fan. I don't. I'm not obsessed with it or anything, and I don't really need to see it again. But I don't begrudge its existence. Who was in it when you saw it? Oh, honey, it was the first time. It was Eden Espinosa and Megan Hilty. <laughs> okay, nice. Oh, yeah. You saw it with Megan. I'm trying to think who I saw it with, and I can't for the life of me the think second of who time it was. I. Don't remember who the Glinda was, but the elf bow was Mandy Gonzalez from In the Heights. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that must have been great. Oh, yeah. All right. So you're, I don't want to say, a little more the middle of the road. You're a fan, but not the super, super fan. Yeah, I lean positive, but again, I don't need to ever see it again, probably. Okay, fair enough. Special guest, Mr. Showers. I feel like we're just, like, boiling, like, water on a stove. We started off cold, medium, and now I'm going to bring it to a boil. (laughs) (laughs) I love Wicked, Okay. Um, so my um, path to the show is a little less traditional than the two of you. Um, I grew up the biggest Wizard of Oz fan. Okay, I had every snow globe, every one hundred dollar you know glass you know statue of every character in my room. I had big posters. I loved the Wizard of Oz. Okay, so it was always like in the distance to me. I knew about Wicked. I was too young to really um, want to go see it or to know that I would want to see it. Um, you know, my family isn't a Broadway family, so I didn't, it wasn't even a possibility for me to see. Um, obviously I had heard the music. Um, but finally I had an opportunity to go to New York, um, to see it. I mean, I've been to New York and I saw other shows, but it just wasn't, it just never fell. Um, the cards never fell in the right place for me to see it until last year, um, where we were going to New York, um, for the day. And I thought, you know, what the hell, maybe now is the time. And I don't think I was prepared for how much I was moved by it. Um, you texted me right after. <laughs> I did. And it was actually, there was a huge snowstorm in New York City the day I saw it. And we, like, and we were with, um, my boyfriend and I were with, his, um, w- with our friend and her daughter shopping. 
um, before the show, and they were taking forever, and we had to hike up to the Gershwin. And it was, I was so pissed because they were taking forever. I was so pissed that I walked ahead of them like a, a good 10 minutes by myself to the, to the theater because I was so nervous about getting there late. Um, <laughs> we sat in the front row orchestra. It was, it, it was such an experience. Like it was, it was like me, my dreams as a little boy came true in front of my eyes. Um, you know, the sets and the, and the costumes of course were great. Um, I didn't know the story play by play. So that was kind of a surprise for me um, just to see it unfold and see the arc grow. And I have to disagree. I really think that the music works and uh, the songs and the way that it does build the act one arc and then the act two arc and the arc of the whole show. Um, I, I really, I really love it. Um, the music is near and dear to my heart um, I was in this weird place last year, um, emotionally in my life, where all the songs in Alphabet's arc made sense to me in a deeper way, and I listened to the music all the time. And I, um, I know every song. I love it. I mean, it's, 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 it's like you know we say on Next Best Picture, we say a Schwartz film. This is a shower show. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'll go into this later, but. The thing that I most admire about the show that I wasn't expecting was the political nature of it and the way that it, um, the way that they use propaganda to, um, can, to kind of, to tear Alphabet's reputation down. And as somebody who was, um, devastated, um, on November 8th, um, 2016, it, Really, I drew a lot of parallels to how Republicans drew a campaign against Hillary Clinton for 30 years and how, compared to how The Wizard and um, con- constructed the campaign against Alphaba. So it struck a deep chord with me. Yeah, I think that political element really comes out when you see the show, especially in this climate. Yeah. Just to give a little background of my history and how I got to thinking about the show this way. My first experience with Wicked, I remember hearing about it when it opened. I was eight years old when it opened on Broadway, so I wasn't going to go see it then. I don't think I had even seen a Broadway show at that point. But I knew it was the thing that existed. I had family members who had gone up to New York and seen it, and they weren't so enthusiastic about it. But you would hear them talk about the production and how great it looked and how the actors were really good. So I knew, okay, if I ever go to Broadway, this is something I would want to see because everybody's talking about it. And then as I would go through elementary school, you know, classmates would say, oh, we went to New York, we saw Wicked. I'm like, oh, well, I want to get in on this conversation too. So around sixth grade, when I was in middle school, that's when I really started discovering cast albums of you know more recent shows. And I really wanted to get the Avenue Q album. I think that I told the story when mm-hmm. we were doing the Avenue yeah. Q podcast. Like there was a sale at Borders and you were able to get something like 50% off. And I kept looking at that Avenue Q album. And my parents said, no, you can't get that. It's too inappropriate. Why don't you get Wicked? Everyone's talking about Wicked. I thought, huh, okay, I'd always sort of been interested in it. I knew the song Defying Gravity from, you know, use in the culture, but I never really knew so much about the actual story aside from that it was a prequel. So I gave it a listen. And unless you're following the story, the songs aren't going to make so much sense. But I remember it was like winter break 2007, where I would just sit in the car, sit in my room, wherever I was, I would listen to this album. And I pretty much memorized all the songs on there. 
especially the songs from the first act, because you have like Popular and The Wizard and I, Defying Gravity. There's some great showstoppers in there. So all throughout like 2007, 2008 school year, I would listen to Wicked, whether it was, like I said, at home, when I was on the bus, somewhere at school, it was all Wicked related. And 2008, leading up to my bar mitzvah later in that year, I got an early bar mitzvah gift that summer from Cousins to see Wicked in New York. So great, I finally get to see the show that I've been listening to for a while. I went to see it, and I thought it was fine. I wouldn't I can't lie and say that I absolutely loved it. I left a little bit disappointed because I was thinking, oh, that's it? All that album listening led to just this? It was a fine show, but it didn't really click the way that I was hoping. And for years and years after that, I just kept thinking, oh, yeah, Wicked, you know, it's fine, but I wouldn't really recommend it to anyone unless you're looking for a big spectacle show. But then last year, it came to Philadelphia, so in 2017, and my grandfather, who loves Broadway as much as I do, especially older Broadway. He doesn't really follow the newer things, but he likes hearing about them. He wasn't able to get up to New York to see it, but he was interested in seeing Wicked at some point. So I said, hey, how about we go see Wicked in Philadelphia? So I took him to see it. And that's where the political element that Ryan was talking about really hit home for me. It was about a year after the election. And you see how the campaign against Alphaba and all the things going on in the Emerald City really have parallels to real life. So that's the point where it became the show that I had wanted it to be for so many years. And ever since then, it's an album that if I'm driving and I want to listen to it, I could say, hey, let's have a wicked day and I'll turn it on. So I really appreciate the show. It's not my absolute favorite thing, but I like everything that's being done in terms of the plot and the songs. And even if it's not perfect, I really appreciate its place on Broadway. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but you are listening to a preview of our full review of the Broadway hit show Wicked here on the Next Best Theater podcast. You can subscribe to the full episode if you head on over to our Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get this episode and other exclusive content from the Next Best Picture podcast and now the Next Best Theater podcast as well. Thank you so much for listening to us. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. And we shall see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.